You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. All right, I'm happy to be back today. I know that uh, we took a little time off yesterday. I had a very bad day yesterday, and to be quite frank, I don't want to get into it. Uh, let's just say that um, I didn't speak a whole lot last night, did I, Bruce? No, no. no. I was in no mood to do a podcast. It's just one of those days where, I mean, I, I understand that you know, people kind of expect us to put new stuff out every day. And, and quite frankly, that's what we like to do. However, at the end of the day, we are still people and we do have lives. And there are some days that you go through and you're just like, you know what? I just don't want to talk. I, I just don't want to talk. I'm having a bad day and I really don't want to deal with any unnecessary nonsense. And I really don't have it in me to sit down and focus on talking about topics on a podcast when I'm so angry about something else and I can't get my mind off of it. For all things considered, for all the, all the parties that were involved, it was probably best that we did a rebroadcast yesterday uh, and that we didn't uh, we didn't violate our terms of service. <laughs> so yes, we weren't here yesterday, uh, but that's okay. We did put out a, a good rebroadcast on, um, on cult programming. So uh, yeah, give that a listen if you haven't already. Uh, Bruce and I did one of those back in, uh, I want to say it was like middle of April, but uh, it was on cult programming and social media and all the rest of it, what's been going on. So it's a good topic to, to go back and, and recover any, or refresh on anyway. So maybe we should do that in the coming weeks. But uh, anyway, how are you today, Bruce? It's good to see you. Healthy and alive. Yeah. Fantastic. And of course, he has come back. He, he's, he's made his appearance here tonight. And I'm sure all the listeners will be more excited than I even am right now. And that is Marty. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. I totally get where you're coming from with that. Sometimes you just don't want to say anything because once you start, you will unleash the floodgates. And I've said all along since we've been doing this, um, it's it's therapeutic, it's cathartic, but it is also exhausting sometimes because the more you talk about it, the more you internalize everything that's happening and it just makes you angry. So I'll, I'll just say... I totally get where you're coming from, and I'm fine and dandy. Thank you very much. It is physically exhausting, and I, I think that a lot of people don't quite understand that, but when you actually sit up here and you... Because you can't just do a podcast. You have to do a podcast. You know what I mean? You have to talk, and by the time you get finished with all of that energy and the way that you're trying to phrase things, and you have to make sure that you do it just right and everything, I mean, there's only so much that an edit can clean up, so you need to be on it. And uh, a lot of people really don't don't understand that when you get done doing one of these things for, uh, I mean, quite frankly, we sit here for over three hours, you get about 45 minutes to an hour's worth of show because that's what we feel as though is the, is the right amount of time. Because to do a three hour show every day, that's I mean, that that's a lot for someone to want to listen to, even though we could do three hours, we could do four hours, whatever. But that's a lot of information to cover. And that's a lot for someone to listen to that has a busy life. So 45 minutes to an hour is about right. But after you get done with this 45 minutes to an hour that you the the listener here, and we're exhausted. We're, we're exhausted. Yeah. It, it feels like we've done five, 10 rounds in a boxing match. I mean, it's physically 
and mentally exhausting. And not to mention the fact, I mean, I've already cycled five to 10K before I got here in the first place. So I'm even more tired when I finish. So it's- Oh dear. Um, yeah. Were you wearing Lycra? No, when you no, did no, it? no, I wasn't. You promised. You promise you I, I promise you, I'm not a like. I am not a lycra spandex for those in the U.S. I, I'm not a lycra uh, wearer. Uh, it's just you no, know, it's Thank not there. Goodness for that. I do that at the end of my workout. So I do the workout and then I cycle 5K flat out at the end and then uh -huh. I call it a day. Oh, that's that's that sounds that sounds exhausting. But you know, thinking about what you were saying there and what I was saying about how how this can be exhausting. You know, the listeners, you 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 can let us know on the Telegram page. Have you had the hard conversations with people around you, your, your nearest and dearest, your loved ones, the ones that maybe are not as skeptical uh, as we are or even you are? Because choosing the right way to phrase something um, uh, so that you can get people to understand it is is very, very difficult. Uh, and, and so that you don't cause offence and stop their being offended getting in the way of what you're trying to tell them and that's one of the hardest things about what we do not that we we're after sympathy because it sounds like we're we're sort of crying out for for our list, listeners to be sympathetic to us but of course we don't want you to be sympathetic we just want you to be informed and we love the interaction when we get it as well so um you know the listeners out there might also know what we mean if they've recently tried to have a conversation with shall we say someone of a more ovine outlook by the way that means sheep if they've tried to talk to a human sheep recently then they'll know just how exhausting this can be indeed okay so let's i tell you what let, let's I, I got some stuff lined up today but we'll get to that in a minute uh, i've got some clips of uh i see i got some i got some audio boris johnson will play uh, i got an announcement from the nhs about jabs and all that stuff we'll, we'll get to all that more importantly you posted some photos in our telegram page over the weekend marty you were down in london over the last weekend uh, tell us about your trip. Yeah, it was purely pleasure. Decided to go and see a few places in London. I normally like to go to the shows, but they're starting to open up the theatres up again, but they're difficult to get tickets because obviously so many people have been waiting so long to get back into theatres. So um, we just did some nice things. We, we went to St Paul's Cathedral. I went and paid my respects to... Admiral Lord Nelson's tomb and uh, the Duke of Wellington's tomb, um, both extremely important people to me because of the drubbing they gave the French in the 1800s. Of course, we have French listeners, so uh, my apologies for that, but you're not in the Euro final either. Then we we went to that. So that was St. Paul's Cathedral. Uh, then we went to um, Tea at the Ritz, thought we'd uh, rub shoulders with the with the super elite, but they'll let anyone in. They, 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 they let me in so that they'll let anyone in as long as you've got the money. That was quite a nice experience. I've done it before, but that was about 15 years ago. Uh, and the quality is just the same. You get very well looked after, beautiful um, sandwiches, cakes, scones or scones. Uh, and again, with uh, fresh cream and jam and, and the tea, you would think that a cup of tea is something that all British people would find mundane and boring. But when you drink really fresh, good quality tea from a China cup served by 
um, a flunky in a red waistcoat and a blue tailcoat in the Ritz. It tastes absolutely marvellous. Then I went to the um, Imperial War Museum and indulged my my history um, addiction. But all in all, I suppose the point you're trying to get me to, and I'm just waffling, is that London was empty. There was no one there. The tourists are not there because they're not allowed to travel. There are businesses in London that are losing, well, all over the world, obviously, because of tourism. But I witnessed it firsthand in London that there are businesses that are just dying because of the lack of customers, the lack of footfall. And it's all because of these absolutely ridiculous travel restrictions. You know, if they were that serious about it, about stopping infections coming into the UK, there would be whatever we've got left of our fleet lined up across the channel, stopping the small inflatable boats. There were 200 people in one day came ashore in Dungeness in in Kent, uh, across the channel, in ribs, none of which were there illegally. They're all just ushered in and welcomed in. So they're not stopping that from happening. So why are they stopping genuine cash-paying tourists from coming in? It's just hypocrisy. They're stopping the genuine cash-paying tourist because you're law-abiding citizens. That's why they're stopping them. And the people that are stopping them are suicidal maniacs. So that's my best guess in a nutshell for the average layman out there is exactly that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, people people aren't traveling. You you'd mentioned on the uh, on the page there when you posted up. Uh, you went to a gourmet burger place that's normally hustle and bustle, but it was completely empty. Oh, the, <laughs> I don't want to give them bad press, but in St Paul's area, there's a, a restaurant called the the Gourmet Burger Kitchen, and our friend Bill as I always enjoyed eating in those places. But we walked in and it took probably six minutes before um, anyone noticed us because the staff were so unused to having anyone in in the restaurant that they didn't realise we were there. And um, the, the restaurant was completely empty. And you had to, instead of getting a menu, you had to scan your phone onto the table. So that's, that's another way of tracking where you are. And the menu would come up on the phone and then you had to order by phone. Uh, and then if you'd forgotten anything, well, you had to log in again and go and amend your order. And of course, that actually did happen because we did forget some stuff. But it just wasn't a very enjoyable experience. Yet a few doors down, a lot of our listeners will have heard of Gordon Ramsay, very famous British chef, um, mm -hmm. swears a lot, uh, ex-footballer. Hell's Kitchen, yeah, you'd have seen him in the States. He's got a, a pizza place around St. Paul's, and that was a totally different experience. The staff were fantastic. The food was good. Not that the food wasn't good in the in the, the burger place. It was good. I'm just used to better service, and I grew up in restaurants and hotels, and I know how to look after people when they walk through your door, what the, what is expected of you as, as a waiter or a waitress or a server whatever you however you want to term it and we're losing a lot of that you you can go from place to place and you can see that the standards have, have just gone you know the the people they're still paying the, the the premium money for these this food but the service standard has has definitely declined in some places but that's not really what i'm i'm here to talk about i'm here, here to say that london's empty and it needs to fill up 
when we left the Ritz, rather than get the bus, because we, we got the bus there from the hotel, and because it's nice to travel through the city on a bus, you see more, especially on the, the double-deckers from the, um, the upper floor. But on the way back, good old British weather had started to rain, so, so we grabbed a cab, and I knew it was going to be expensive. I mean, I, I tipped the... Yeah. Uh, London taxes the are expensive. I've, I've taken them before. Yeah, I, I tipped the doorman um, rather more than I intended to, um, but he did bring the umbrella over and escort us to the to the taxi and open the door for us. And in fact, he hailed the taxi as well. But the taxi driver was the most interesting part of the trip. He um, obviously during my, our, our trip, we went by train. I refused to wear a mask on the train. We travelled first class because I can. I got a cheap ticket. We just had food in front of us all the time. So if you're eating or drinking, you don't have to wear a face covering. So we made sure that we were eating and drinking the entire journey. Then once we'd got off the train, we took the tube, the underground subway. And I didn't wear a mask on there either. And I wasn't challenged. And I was glad about that. But getting into a taxi, thinking that there might be an issue if he insisted, if the driver insisted we wore a mask, I put one on. And after we'd sat down in the taxi, put a seatbelt on, he says, oh, you can take your masks off if you want. And I said, yeah, I will if you don't mind, because it's all a complete load of rubbish. And then we got into a really good discussion about the whole setup, about the whole pandemic. And he's been going to the demonstrations. And there's another one on the 19th of July, which is our Freedom Day. Or is it the nineteenth or the twenty first? That uh, well, that we'll we'll get into that here in just a minute. But yeah, 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 yeah. But um, and I'm I'm contemplating um, making another trip up, uh, just going for that because there's lots of powers that the government have given themselves, and by that I mean both sides of the house, the the opposition as well as the the government have voted themselves extra powers during the pandemic. Um, and if we're coming to an end of restrictions, then those powers need to be rescinded as well. We've got a bit of a, a bad habit here in the UK of keeping laws on the statute books that no longer need to be there. As far as I'm aware, it's still legal to shoot a Welshman with a crossbow from certain castles along the Welsh border. I didn't know that. You know, well, it's probably an apocryphal story, but there, there are these, these, these laws that have never been repealed and never been yeah. removed. The states have um, to. It's it, like each yeah. state has, you, you can just Google search like crazy laws for US states and, and they'll come up. It's a couple of places it's still legal to beat people with sticks and you can beat your wife and like, it, it's just stupid stuff. Yeah. Well, that, that, that again, that's, I'm sorry, but that that's written into the Bible. Uh, it's called the rule of thumb. Yes, you are exactly. Not, you're not you allowed stick to larger than your thumb. Yeah. yeah, thicker than your thumb. But yeah, the, the, I think, okay, if they're going to start the lift restrictions from the 19th or the 21st, again, I'm ter terribly sorry if I, if I can't remember the exact date, but it, the, the protest is on the 19th. And the protest is really all about not only lifting the restrictions, but repealing these temporary laws that have been put into place. And if we let them get away with it, it's like that anaconda that's slowly crushing round the uh, capybara. Every time the, the large guinea pig breathes out, it squeezes a bit tighter. And that's what these laws are. 
they'll slowly choke the life out of a, a, a out of a free democratic society. You know, I'm not entirely certain that I would agree with the fact that the protests should stop, even if restrictions are lifted. And the reason being is because these governments have been so out of control. They've been so overreaching in the powers that are granted to them by the consent of the governed that, um, quite honestly, I don't have any... Um, I don't have any interest in wanting to keep them around anymore. So regardless if we return to what you would consider to be a sense of normality, and let's be honest, it would be a sense of normality, not full normality, meaning that they're still going to, they'll, like they'll release some of that stuff, but they'll keep a hand on it and it'll be a tighter hand than what it was before. So to be honest with you, I'm not really interested in these governments remaining as in like the, even so the people that are in there, I'm not interested in them staying. Uh, I, I'm interested in seeing their resignations. That's all I'm interested in. You know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but I mean, we're all in the same boat here. Whether you're in mainland Europe, whether you're in Canada, the United States, UK, it doesn't matter. All the governments are behaving the same way. They're all speaking the same way. They're all uh, acting the same way, performing the same way. So it's too late, in my honest opinion, as a as a constituent, as a voter, as a taxpayer. They've already lost my trust. and They're not going to get it back. Sorry, Bruce, I'll just say this before you put your views forward, but you're never going to get turkeys to vote for Christmas. And the times are that unprecedented that really, as we're coming out of this pandemic, and it has been a plan, people, right from the start, it's been a plan. There should be an opportunity to hold general elections. If the the populace are happy with the way its elected leaders have performed, then they'd have no problem. But they know that we're not happy. And they know that they wouldn't stand a chance in a fair and free election. So you're not going to get turkeys to vote for Christmas. They're not going to give us that chance. I think we can all agree on that. Go ahead, Bruce. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I com zoned out totally because... Um, you're fired. You said something I had never heard before, and that was the rule of thumb thing. And I was like, <laughs> that was such a violation of everything I know about the you've Bible. Never, I had to look it up. You've never heard of that? You've never heard I've of heard rule of thumb? No, no. I've heard rule of thumb, but I've never heard the origin story. So oh, I yeah. had to look it up because you made the Bible reference and it does not exist. Uh, that was the first thing. Um, okay. It's one of those, again, apocryphal things. I've always understood it to be related to um, maybe religious teachings, not necessarily in the Bible. But please, let's remember that the King James Bible bears no resemblance to the Bible that the early Christians from the 6th century onwards brought over to, to the UK. It, it bears no resemblance. There's stuff that's been taken uh, out of context, that has been taken out completely, stuff that's been put in, like the divine right of kings, for instance, all as a control measure. And, and again, I respect everybody's faith. I'm not a fan of religion. But there are these, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you shall not beat your wife with anything thicker than your thumb. And, and should, it's supposed you should, to be a crime. You shall not beat your wife anyway with anything. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But it's supposed to be like, oh, well, look, the, these religious teachers are being reasonable because there is in the Bible, if you stay your rod, you hate your child. Yeah. And again, the rod is this thing that, that was used to whip. So you're supposed to discipline your children. You know, they, they say, spare the rod, spoil the child. And it's that 
that I'm pretty sure is in there somewhere. And that I one is, it, yes. That that one is in there, and it's mm-hmm. it's in. Uh, it'll come to me in a moment. The Book of Wisdom, Proverbs. It's Proverbs. Yeah, it's in Proverbs. That's that. That's what it's in. That's that's what I couldn't remember, but that's just my age. One more adventure before dementia. Uh, uh, anyway, I apologize. I didn't listen to you guys' arguments because I was I was on that trail. So to be honest with uh, you, I forgot completely about what we were arguing about. But let's let's just move on, shall we? <laughs> let's just because we got a lot to cover today. All right, Boris Johnson's government is planning to offer a third vaccine dose to the over fifties. Come September. Well, we knew that the booster, the boosters were on the way, right? Oh, yeah. They've already got 160 billion more doses. I'm not joking at those numbers or it's like 100. Yeah, something like that. Whatever that they're cooking up uh, at Big Pharma for this stuff. British authorities are planning to offer a third round of COVID vaccine doses to over 50s alongside the flu shot. So you're going to have to get both this year. <laughs> you got to get both of these this time around uh, from September claiming uh, they're claiming that we will need to ensure protection against the flu which didn't exist last year. This past year hasn't existed. So far, I don't think we've seen any cases this year either. Uh, But we need to do this now, as well as maintain protection against COVID-19 as the winter starts to come back. So see, they're going to give you more and more. Over 70s, care home residents, frontline healthcare and social workers, uh, social care workers, and over 16s with immune conditions will be prioritized for the third jab, according to the Telegraph. You know what? This uh, this thing here about how they're uh, how they're mandating this stuff uh, or being prioritized or whatever. One of the biggest things we're seeing right now is the it's the push of the governments that I really believe are just big pharma using the governments as mouthpieces. But it's it's the push of big pharma and shadow groups like Klaus Schwab and company at the World Economic Forum, they're the ones that are saying, oh, no, 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 you, you need more of these. Because we're seeing now, like in France, for example, they're they're saying that, oh, well, we might have to mandate this for, what was it, like 25 to 59. We might have to mandate this in Germany from 12 to 59. We're going to go door to door in the United States, uh, which is what Biden said. We're, we're going to go door to door. We're going to put together uh, vaccine strike forces, according to Jen Psaki, Delta variant strike forces. That, those are her words, not mine. We're, we're going to put all this stuff together because because the numbers in France, and I'm betting the numbers here in Germany, and the numbers in the United States are pretty much concurrent. You've got over 50% of these people Care home res, or excuse me, care home workers, frontline healthcare workers, social care workers, they're not taking it. They're not taking it. In France, for example, the healthcare workers, they're not taking it. They tried in the initial stages here in Germany to get the police and the EMS workers to take it initially. They said, we're going to mandate that you have it. And they said, no, you're not. We're not taking it. And they said no. And so that stopped right then and there. If you don't have a frontline medical community, If you don't have EMS workers, hospital workers, care home workers, social workers, police officers, firemen, if you don't have these, these are your frontline workers. If they don't have those people, take those. If they don't have the military, take it. If the military is refusing, which I'm pretty sure that's what's happening there, too, because they're saying, oh, we're going to have to mandate this for the troops now. If all these people are refusing this, then they're fresh out of people to enforce it. As it's, um, you know, summer here now in the UK, although we've had a, a few days sunshine, the students have, have uh, left the university towns and, you know, their, their facilities there in the universities are being turned into vaccination centres. But people aren't turning up. People are not turning up to be vaccinated. 
somehow it slipped through on the radio station that I was um, that I, I listened to while I'm sat here, out here in Man Cave. I listened to the radio while I'm playing my silly computer games, and I thought, "Hello, that sounds uh, that that sounds almost like a real piece of news that people are not turning up to get vaccinated, even though." the local authorities are bending over backwards to make it available to them. And I was very glad about it. On the, uh, I think it was ITV News this morning, yeah, the, the usual, remember Dr. Hillary that we talked about the other day? Yes. Yep. And then the, one of the new anchors who's taken over, in fact, I've used the word anchor, but it's actually a word that rhymes with anchor that I would like to describe him as. A guy called Alistair Campbell. He was Tony uh -huh. Blair's PR man. He was his advisor to Tony Blair. So that's how much I like him. But they were asking the question amongst the people there on the panel that morning, Dr. Hillary, another female doctor and a young female journalist as well, saying that we've all either know someone or have heard of someone who has been double vaccinated and caught the virus of somebody else who was also double vaccinated. So tell me, what is this vaccine doing? Sorry, what is this gene therapy doing? It's doing nothing. The thing that has helped the reduction uh, has, has been the fact that eventually we've our own immune systems have, have got to grips with it. Our own immune system gives us about 95%. If this gene therapy does anything, it's only adding as a maximum about 4% on top of that as far as immunity is concerned. And because I've been traveling for a few days and I have had to wear um, one of those stupid masks occasionally, I actually feel run down as a result of wearing a mask. Do you think what the poor people um, in the hospitals, uh, the, the, the doctors and nurses who are now wearing these face coverings almost constantly, they must be absolutely exhausted, run down, breathing in their own exhaled viral matter. Because, you know, if, if you're sucking in air, you're blowing out bacteria and and all sorts straight into the mask and it's it's got to cause these throat infections nasal infections ear infections and um it's got nothing to do with the um gain of function um SARS that we now know as COVID-19 it's it's got more to do with um breathing your your own stale exhalations back in and out all the time so um yeah People are not turning up to these very well-organized vaccination centers because they don't want the vaccine. The only thing that's going to drive people to get vaccinated is if they really can't do without their foreign holiday uh, and jetting away. Because already today's announcements in or yesterday's announcements in, in the UK, you need to be double vaccinated or have had a, a test. And they're still charging like £140 for the tests. Um, yeah, they don't want to go some, anywhere. No, of course not. But there are some travel companies that are reducing that down to about £45. But the whole thing is the, the forced isolation on return. People cannot afford an extra 10 days to two weeks 
isolation after they've just had a two week holiday. They yeah. can't afford to do it. So they, they know they've they've got they've got them coming and going. Uh, I want to play an ad here real quick that's being put out by the uh, the NHS. You know, these vaccine ads, this is the other thing. So not only do we have that, you've got, as you said, you, people aren't turning up to these things. There's not any vaccination centers around where I am. I, I haven't seen any. They've got testing places and all kinds of stuff. But you know what? I see the idiots standing out in front of that thing. Usually those uh, those stupid kids that uh, that are putting it up on their social media, they're sitting out in front of there outside with a mask on in their skinny jeans on their phones. It's a status symbol for them. That seems to be what it is. But uh, I played you the ad, and I, I can't play it for the uh, the listener because it wouldn't make any sense, but I played you the ad of the United Nations now getting in on the uh, the vaccine campaign. And it looks, it's an ad for, it looks like a, a fragrance or something. It's like I, I'm getting it as a fashion statement kind of thing. Well, Bruce, the other day when he was the judge on Room 101, you put expensive handbags or price hiking into into room 101 for me my whole basis of argument about that was the way people have had their expectations uh, manipulated and that ad that you showed me earlier on for the united nations it's an absolute disgrace it's basically saying the vaccine is sexy you won't be sexy unless you've had the vaccine <laughs> yeah. it's um it it's deplorable that an organization that was supposed to be started to make sure that all humans on the face of the earth could live in fair and free societies are using that kind of manipulative subliminal propaganda it's just, it's a it's a disgrace and it shows them you know it shows their true colors uh, did did we like time warp or something with the the level that these ads are it feels like we we've gone back to like the 80s or something the the feels dystopic it does it yeah. feels like we we just woke up yeah. in like this this crazy like this crazy land but anyway all right i want to get into this uh this ad here that's put out by the nhs this is an ad talking about uh how it's safe and effective that seems to be the the two key words that they use here safe and effective safe and effective safe and effective safe and effective for pregnant women to take it take a listen to this Guidance from the UK's Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation now says that vaccination is recommended for all people, including those who are trying for pregnancy, are pregnant or breastfeeding. This brings us in line with other countries who've been offering COVID-19 vaccination to all since December 2020. Now, before this, only pregnant women and people who were particularly at high risk of catching COVID-19, such as healthcare workers, or those who were at higher risk of serious complications if they contracted the virus, were offered the vaccine. But now, any pregnant woman or person can get it if they choose to do so. The vaccine is safe and effective, and it gives you the best protection against COVID-19. It's safer to have the vaccine if you're trying to get pregnant, pregnant or breastfeeding than to catch the virus itself. Oh. But remember, whether or not you accept the offer of vaccination is your decision. They keep throwing that in our face that it's safe and effective and mm -hmm. like it, when someone okay when, when when somebody tells you in, in conversation like trust me i, I know that okay i i'm immediately going okay wait what you're going to say next is going to be sketchy same thing uh, with this anytime they say well it, it, it's safe and effective hmm no it's not it, that's my immediate reaction don't you want 
free burgers? Don't you want a free uh, free burger and fries? Don't you want uh, free donuts from from Krispy Kreme? Free cheesecake? Lottery tickets? I want all of those things right now. And I I deeply resent the fact that you've mentioned them because now I'm starving. But um, <laughs> it's not actually. Food. But that's that's the Pavlovian dog in me. You know, um, I hear I hear the names of food, and I want that food. The woman, obviously, are. Our listeners won't have seen the attractive young lady who, who just gave that message. She didn't look like a what what the LGBTQ community would call a breeder to me. She looked like someone who the last thing on her mind was ever having children. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I find it interesting. Maybe she's a, a midwifery expert. I don't know. It didn't give any credentials or name of that person. But, well, they're telling women to go out and, and get this based on campaigns like that. And the number of miscarriages that women have had uh, is approaching the thousands because yeah. they've uh, be, because they've been lying to people. And earlier, before we started to record, we were talking about, um, and I don't know if you meant to bring this up later on, that 42% of people who have had the virus didn't even realize they've had the virus. That's right. New German study out this morning from a University of Mines. If anyone wants to go and look that up, it is on our Telegram page for those of you who are subscribed to us there. Go ahead. If you've got a situation with a disease that you don't even know you've got, why would you want to go and have an un... I wouldn't say untested, because it has been tested, but the tests were on animals, and every single one of the animals it was tested on died when the vaccinated animal was challenged with a new virus. So if, you, if, it's, if the disease in a healthy person is that mild that you don't even know you've got it, 42% of people, that's in just one study, the, the numbers may be higher in other places and lower in others, but it, it's a significant number because, Bruce, you said it, it brought the, the death rate down from 015 to 0.1 which is a 50 percent reduction in death rate yeah and on uh, also uh in the beginning when we were talking about this they were saying well 80 80 percent of people are going to be asymptomatic and then like that's the numbers they were telling us in the beginning if that number is true and accurate and they're saying on top of that another 42 percent are asymptomatic didn't even know they had the virus What's that say then to how many people have been infected, quote unquote, infected? Because you've been infected if you've had a P one of the PCR tests um, with the high cycle rate, then you've been infected. But uh, unless you've taken an antibody test, you don't know whether that's true or not. Well, the antibody testing is is what they should be doing more of. They can't. They, they can't. I agree with you, but they can't. If they do antibodies testing, then the whole thing's over. Exactly. Exactly. That that would be the the big reveal, wouldn't it? How many people have actually got the antibodies for reasons I won't necessarily divulge. I know that I haven't got the virus, yet I've got cold and flu symptoms at the moment. And it's just a mild tickle, slight tickle. Uh, and it'll, I'll be fine. It's because I'm run down. It's because I've been traveling, because I've been wearing the mask. And because tests are available, I know that I haven't got COVID. But if I was as open to the fear that most other people seem to be at the moment, and it's because they've had a, a real job done on them, I'd have probably gone down to the, the doctors, had a test, that have found some form of a coronavirus because I'm suffering that way, 
and they would have uh, I'd have been another statistic. I'd have been another number in their armory to 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 promote it further. So I haven't gone for a test. I know I'm okay. I'm going to be fine tomorrow. And that's what people need to do. They they need to trust their immune systems. If you have got a pre-existing morbidity, I still wouldn't advocate going to have this gene therapy because we saw what it did to the animals that were tested in the trial. You know, Marty, you could always fix that problem by getting one of these new inventions out from the World Economic Forum. This is a mask that has a built-in PCR test. I wonder, is is Klaus going to travel the world on tour um, issuing or, you know, when they, when they start to sell these or give them away? Oh, no. Uh, see, they're going to do clothing. They're going to do clothing and it's all going to connect to your smartphone and it's going to monitor all viruses and, and they'll be able to, to monitor all aspects of, of health in your environments without your knowledge. So it'll just go right to your phone and then it'll get uploaded into the cloud and yeah. Well, I, I think as as the head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab should come and promote these things locally mm-hmm. all over the globe. And I, I'd like a complete itinerary of his movements. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. All right. I wanted to get to a clip here of Boris. Now, you guys are set to come out of this, whatever this is, the unnecessary stuff on July 19th. Uh, it was supposed to be June 21st, but of course, you know, it's, oh no, no, we're, we're just, we're, we're all over the place. We, we got all these cases everywhere. Does it make sense to open things, as Dr. Hillary Jones said? Does it make sense to open things when the cases are rising? No, it doesn't. No. You didn't well, do what you were told. So Yeah, exactly. You didn't do what you were told. Now, see, all of these... Um, Super spreader events that the media is just ignoring uh, out there in front of number 10 in Westminster, uh, those are going to be the causes of the next outbreak. See, you've got this uh, Delta variant that they're pushing, which came from India originally, but once the Indian government came out and said, could you please stop telling people that it's the India variant? There's nothing going on here. You're lying to people. Stop it. As soon as that happened, the World Health Organization said, well, we're just going to rename everything to uh, Greek uh, characters from their alphabet, and we won't associate it with countries anymore. So now they can just do all that stuff. There's one now called uh, Lambda that popped up. That was in newspaper out of New Zealand yesterday. But of course, that's already in 30 countries, including Australia and the United Kingdom. So you've got that variant. And then, of course, as of this morning, first thing this morning, wouldn't you know it, they've got another one called Epsilon that's just showed up. They found it in California, but it originated from Peru meaning that it's probably everywhere already. And then those two are going to mix. And there's studies out today from Chile saying that the uh, Chinese vaccine, the Sinovac or whatever it's called, that's now somehow or another going to merge with one of these variants, the Epsilon one, I think, or whatever it is, or Lambda. I, I don't know. I don't follow this this crap. But that's going to merge with that. And then it's going to cause another thing. And and it's going to be even more deadly. And there's there's rare mutations that are that are just whatever. But I, I think that they're going to push that off onto uh, whatever. They'll wait, you know, two or three days, just like the last time, until you're ready to come out. And Boris will come out and make some kind of speech or whatever, because Matt Hancock can't do it anymore, can he? Uh, he's gone. But they've replaced him with Sajid Javid, who is good buddies with Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum. So the, uh, you know, they, they just got one guy out and they replaced him with another that'll do what he's told. So uh, I want to play a clip of Boris, but I'll let you I'll let you weigh in before we get to that. Yeah, you talked about super spreader events. I'm not a big uh, soccer fan, football fan. I'm a rugby man, but I've been watching England beat 
all comers and I've been quite enjoying it. Just the other night at Wembley, there were 60,000 people, 60,000 people in the stadium and both the future king and his heir were in the audience. Now, given how careful uh, we are over our lineage uh, and we've always got to have an heir and a spare knocking around, do you really think if there'd have been any real danger that they would have allowed the you know Prince William and his son to be at a 60,000-person event? No, I don't. All right, so before we get to this clip of Boris, I wanted to show you this. All right, this is the game at Wembley just the other night, okay? This is a couple of nights ago. As you see mm-hmm. here, right, I've, I've just paused it, right? So as you see here, this is what you're seeing on television, right? This is the side from where the cameras, you know, always show, right? So yeah. now this is what they're showing on TV, okay? But you were asking if the situation were that dangerous, would they allow the royal family in there? And then, well, of course, uh, of course, the answer is no. But this is what they're doing. So this is the side you see right on the television. But when you get to the side that the if you look at the upper deck, the upper deck's full, but the camera never looks up that high. No. But if you get to the other side, oh, look, oh, look, it's it's at it's at capacity. Yeah. You see what I know. I know a couple of people who were there and yeah. All that area over there where the the, the cameras are mainly focused, it that's looks optics. like they're all spaced out. Yeah, yeah, that's optics is what that is. Bruce and I were yeah. just talking while we, uh, while we were um, kind of paused here for a second that the amount of payoffs here has got to be just unbelievable. To get everybody on board with that has got to be just uh, the amount of money we're talking about here is something that, that we it's got to be incalculable. You know, I was looking at the Telegraph the other day on Sunday, Sunday. Front page of the Telegraph, they were advertising track and trace jobs for people in the UK. Listen to what they're paying them. They're paying them £1,200 a day to go out and do that. £1,200 a day. Have you ever heard of anything so crazy? Have you got an application form? <laughs> I was, I was kind of wondering that myself. I'm like, 1200 a day? My God. I've earned good money in my time, but yeah. I've not earned that money. I haven't um, either. And it would be lovely. But no, I, I, I still couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for £1,200 a day. No. The number of times over the last few days whilst in and, in and around places in London where there's the track and trace QR code as you walk in and I just wave a phone at it. I haven't even got a QR reader on the phone. I just or, or even turn my camera on. I just wave the phone, then walk through. It's ridiculous. We need to stop complying. It's just got to be an, an end to this compliance. Mm-hmm. Now, Boris Johnson, since we're getting back onto this, Boris Johnson, this is him uh, the other day, ITV covered this. He's talking here in this clip about uh, how they're going to have to change things about how they alter human behavior. Uh, yes, how they alter human behavior. He just flat out, just flat out said it. All right, let's take a listen. Second, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behavior. We'll move away from legal restrictions and allow people to make their own informed decisions about how to manage the virus. From step four, we will remove all legal limits on the numbers meeting indoors and outdoors. We will allow all businesses to reopen, including nightclubs. We will lift the limit on named visitors to care homes and on numbers of people attending concerts, theatre and sports events. We will end the one metre plus rule on social distancing and the legal obligation to wear a face covering, although guidance will suggest where you might 
choose to do so, especially when cases are rising and where you come into contact with people you don't normally meet in enclosed spaces, such as obviously crowded public transport. Now, Marty, you once said, how do you know when Boris Johnson is lying to you? Um, Well, basically, his lips move, so it's very easy to tell. Right. Well, he made that statement uh, just the other day. He said this on July 5th. Well, that was in the morning. Well, lo and behold, he said, um, if the lockdowns don't end soon, well, then they're probably just not going to end this year at all. So, um, yeah, there, there is that. Uh, but you see, they give you this this little carrot right out there in front of everything. Oh, yeah, we're going to end all this stuff. But oh, no, wait, see, no. This is where I think they're going to come back at it with something else. It'll be just a few days before you're going to have all the usual suspects back out there on the media again to say, oh, well, no, we got more cases and we've got this new variant. And now we've got now we've got two other variants that are in the mix. And uh, we're, we're looking at a third jab. See, they're trying to build a bridge from here until September where they can start pushing that third jab. That's what they need to do. They need to maintain. So they need to do something because the wheels have come off of this thing. The vaccine numbers have hit a wall. People aren't traveling. They're not listening to them. You've got a million plus in London, which quite frankly, I mean, I I know you say businesses are hurting down there, but I mean, let's be honest, they kind of need the open spaces for all the people that are going to be out there throwing the tennis balls. So, I mean, that's that is a good thing. But I think that they're and this is just I'm just going off of how they've behaved. I think that they're going to push it back again. Um, And I'm sad to say that I think you're probably right. He's leaving himself wriggle room in everything he says. And and, and when it sounds like a throwaway comment, oh, if we don't end them soon, they may not end this year. It sounds like he's on side. He's one of us. He's suffering it as well. He's not. He's not suffering it. He's not on our side. He's not our friend. It's like banks. Banks are not your friend. Boris Johnson is not your friend. The only friend that Boris Johnson has is is pounds, shillings and pence or dollars or euros. They're the only friends he has. He's a very, very greedy, easily bribed individual. And thank goodness that I live in um, currently uh, a society where I can say that. But around the world there are other places where people are still being um put under restrictions who cannot speak up against their government um and it's up to those that can to shine a light on where this bs is is coming from and you know a while back we talked about the chinese students in australia who mm-hmm. were asked by avi yeah um, avi yemeni yeah. avi yemeni you know, about what they thought of their government. And you could see the panic on their faces as as they contemplated what would happen to them if they were seen to be saying anything that that uh, criticised the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. But there's not just China. There's, there's other countries around the world where you've got this same kind of totalitarian rule. You know, I never thought of this until we started to do these these podcasts and our conversations. It's staring you in the face that that's exactly what they're trying to do here in the UK, on mainland Europe, and in North America. That is what they are trying to do. They are trying to bring about totalitarian rule, and they're doing it bit by bit, using that that system that you told me all about, and I'm going to try and say it correctly now, successive approximation. No, yes, I said it right the first time. That's what's happening. So... 
it wouldn't surprise me at all if Boris doesn't backpedal on one of his Boris bikes. They are the most clunky, horrible bicycles. Have you seen them in London? You must, I have not. You must. Do they have them in, in where, where you oh, are? Yes. Like these oh, yes. They have them all over. Yep, yeah. Yep. There was that song, wasn't there? There, there? There's 10 million bicycles in Beijing. I believe there are more <laughs> than 10 million bicycles in Beijing. Yeah, yeah. There, there are. It, it's that. Um, I don't know. Have you been to Amsterdam? Goodness. I have been to they have, Amsterdam. They have car parks just remember. for bicycles. It's <laughs> like multi-story ones. I've been several times, but I, I've got great big holes in my memory. Yeah, um, you should stay out of those coffee shops. To... They don't serve coffee yeah. in there. I couldn't do that sort of stuff. I was in uniform at the time. It was just <laughs> beer. Okay, you know, you bring up an interesting point there. You say that we have the opportunity to speak out and we should give a voice to those who cannot. And I agree with you. You spent a lot of time in the Middle East. You were in the United Arab Emirates for nine years. You were in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, both. What happens to their people? What happens to, to their citizens or someone there? You say they've only got a million of them that are, that are Emiratis. What happens if one of them speak out against their government under that system that they have there? What happens there? They'd be put under house arrest. Their family would be approached by someone from the local sheikh because uh, as well as the head of their their family, there's the the sheikh above them, and then there's the the royal families of each of the emirates. And someone would go around and say, "You need to get um, Abdullah to wind his neck in and shut up, or you're not going to have any health care. You're not going to have any support from government." And believe you me, a country that is as rich as the UAE treats its people. By that I mean the actual citizens. The 980,000 Emiratis that, that live in a country of 7.2 million people treats them very well. But if they step out of line, they will have so much pressure put on them and their family to shut up that they they usually shut up. If they don't shut up, they'll wind up in jail. Uh, well, it's it's as simple as yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because you spent so much time out there, and this article caught me. Uh, this is something that they're doing out there now, just specifically in the city of Abu Dhabi at the moment. Abu Dhabi is planning to ban unvaccinated people from public places. Uh, this is what they're in the process of doing now. They say they will ban anybody from most public places starting August 20th. Uh, the city's go uh, government media office announced on Monday. The Abu Dhabi Emergency Crisis and Disasters Committee has approved allowing entry into a number of public spaces, but only for those vaccinated, effective from Friday, August 20th, 2021. The decision covers shopping centers, restaurants, cafes, gyms, recreational facilities, sporting activities, and all other retail outlets not within shopping centers, except those selling essential goods such as supermarkets and pharmacies. The first phase of the decision also includes gyms, recreational facilities, sporting activities, uh, yeah, uh, cultural centers and theme parks, as well as universities, institutes, public and private schools and children nurseries uh, in the Emirate. That seems uh, rather harsh, but I mean, you're, you're seeing, again, it's like the, the splitting of society, kind of like they're doing here. This is exactly what they want to do here. But there, they have a little bit more of, a, uh, of an iron fist, as you kind of put it, but there's a velvet glove to it kind of uh, approach to things, but they're really going to go through with that over there. How, how do you think that that's going to go? And, and do you think people will actually push back against that as, as a whole, or, or is it even possible? This is a complex one, and I want to be fair to the leaders of, of the Emirates. They have relied on Western advice ever since their country was made. 
because it, it used to be several countries, each ruled by a, a particular family. And it was brought together as the United Arab Emirates under the Al Nayan family, Sheikh Zayed. And basically, he was the one who was most likely to cooperate with us, the British. And we assisted in bringing about the new country of the United Arab Emirates by helping him bump off his rivals. That's basically what happened. Our special forces, on a night of the long knives, they invited uh, all of the leaders to a meeting with Sheikh Zayed, uh, and they were told to bring their two closest advisors. And anyone who was not at that meeting who posed a threat to there being a United Arab Emirates was got rid of. And they've listened to the West all the time. The cities emulate American cities. In fact, sorry, but they're a little bit better than American cities. No argument. The big shopping malls, the the cinemas, there's theatres, there's bars. Of course, the bars are not for the locals. They're for the expat workforce in in the big posh hotels. So the people that are there working, the expats, they're motivated by money and they won't think twice about getting vaccinated if it means that they would be losing their job or their ability to move around freely within this pleasure palace of a country. But it's it's a pleasure palace for the hard of thinking. You've got a shopping mall, you've got a cinema, you've got a bowling alley, you've got sports facilities. You haven't got quite little country pubs. You haven't got somewhere to... I don't know, hobbies, to pursue the kind of hobbies we do here in Europe and in America, the kind of weird stuff that I do, like live-action role-play, that that kind of stuff. You haven't got those niche little shops where you can go and buy something that you wouldn't find anywhere else. It's very uniform. You know, you've got the same group of shops in each of the malls. You've got the same big retail outlets, the globalist companies. So... It's going to happen. If if they've said it'll happen, it'll happen. And anyone who makes a fuss will either be told to leave the country if they're an expat on a working visa, or they will be put under house arrest by their own family just to make sure that, that family doesn't lose face or waster, which is a combination of wealth and influence. So yeah, it'll happen. If, that, if that's what they've decided, it'll happen. But it will be on some Westerners advice. Yeah, and that's that seems to be the other thing. And this the the other aspect of this is how they're going to enforce this. Uh, and this is uh, this is also part of what they want to bring here. This is kind of where the social distancing part comes in. Abu Dhabi has just implemented facial recognition cameras at shopping malls and in residential areas to detect COVID-19. Uh, They claim that these are 93.5% accurate in identifying an infected individual. So we now have facial recognition cameras uh, everywhere to detect COVID-19. And they think that this is going to be a way to um, help them keep this uh, system in check. They've already got electronic chipped ID cards. Right. So everyone, whether you're an Emirati or an expat, you've got an ID card and it's got a chip on it and it's got all of your details. Everything is linked. Your mobile phone you can't purchase without handing your ID card over and it's scanned when you purchase a mobile phone. The burner phones, they, they don't really exist because everybody has to register and to to buy the phone, they have to hand over their ID card. Their car, their vehicle insurance, their annual 
medical details because you're you're given a medical every year to stay in the country. You're tested for all kinds of communicable diseases, including STDs. And if you've got any of those, you're out. If if someone had have tested positive for HIV, they would be immediately put on a plane and sent back to their country. So they'll have no problem in in making sure that this whole thing is um is 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 enforced. They can do it. They've they've got the ability to do it. I obviously had an ID card and I thought, why haven't we got ID cards in the UK? And there's so many people that were arguing against it and and saying it how, how bad it is, it's an infringement of civil liberties. But that's only because it, it it can be abused. And if you don't trust your government not to abuse uh, a system like identity cards, then you're better off not having the identity cards until you've got a government you can trust. But once they're in place, you'll never get rid of them. It's like COVID passports. This is the concern with this. I mean, oh, yes, we're going to end all this stuff. But oh, wait, you've got COVID passports now. Again, once you get them in place... It's going to be very, very difficult if you can ever get rid of them. Well, the people certainly in the UAE for a COVID passport, it'll just be more information added onto their ID card. It's going to say they and already have what, the system. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's uh, well, there already. Uh, one, of the, one of the things about the UAE is for everybody, there's 100% employment. That's locals and expats. And they create these massive bureaucracies to employ young clerics, people not but that, I don't mean religious clerics, I mean clerks. A lot of it's done by paperwork. Lots and mm-hmm. lots of paperwork to fill in before you get your high-tech chipped ID card. Retinal scanning at the airport. Everybody, when you go for your visa, you you have your retina scanned so that they can identify you. Uh, fingerprints, everything. It's all done already. And like I say, people who are motivated by money, I won't say greed because they're, they're out there to... to, to to make the best of their skills. And it's a region that is crying out for skills transfer, skills and knowledge transfer. That's why I was there, to help them understand how we do training, how we do military training, how we organise it, how we make sure it's fit for purpose, how we don't spend too much money on it, but just the right amount of money and time on it. And it's, it's something that they wanted so that's what we we gave them that skills and knowledge transfer and it happens in banking within the oil industry within electronics and they're desperate for it but to have that huge expat workforce they had to have a way of making sure there were only people that they wanted in their country there at any given time i still wonder to this day how the guy that tore his shirt off in the middle of the street uh, about two o'clock in the morning outside a nightclub to expose a massive swastika tattoo ever got through and got a job in the emirates but um interesting yeah Hmm. to be yeah it was a it was a funny experience he as i was walking down the street he was fighting with some arabs and he was american or maybe canadian but i think probably american and he tore his shirt off to expose these neo-nazi tattoos and he was calling to me as if i was going to go and help him but i just watched and saw that he was taken care of by the other guys so that's i was fine. gonna say yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah just uh good luck to you yeah have a nice night yeah all right um we uh we're out of time today so we are gonna have to go but it's been a pleasure as always we will uh sit down with you again next week uh or if you want to come back on 
for an exclusive, we would love to have you uncensored sometime uh, in the near future if you're so inclined. So, so I'm, I'm getting used to to, to not swearing, but I, I I would obviously when I have the time, I will be on that on one of those exclusives. And the idea that we were talking about now, we won't reveal it. But the idea we were talking about for the next room 101, I think that could be quite a success. Yeah, so, we need uh, to uh, we need to get the ball rolling on that one. See what yeah. we can do. So uh, I I know that I'll have a uh, have a really good time with that one. I'm sure the rest of the guests will, and uh, I'm sure the listener will as well. Yeah, we are going to have to go. So uh, you know what we've done? We've monopolized the time again. You believe it? Poor Sorry, old Bruce. Bruce. I feel bad. I, I'm honestly I, I don't. You guys covered it well. Uh, like well, I said, what we do like though is is now we've got the video capability so we can see each other's faces i am getting feedback from you all the time because if i say something you don't like i can tell and if i say something you like you can make that face so that's that's <laughs> it's really useful you know what it, it, it does help with that so you know you, you just want to come over and hang out next to my pool don't you i had a pool like that yours is just a green screen i've had a, a house like that <laughs> i've actually got a pool out back but i it's been too cold to get into it lately yeah <laughs> oh the the hotel had a gorgeous pool but it was I'm only sure 1.2 1.2 meters deep 18 meters long 1.2 meters deep and i was trying to do actually do some proper swimming not just sitting there in a pool but my legs just dragged along the bottom. I need deeper water for for greater buoyancy. You know, so. there's a uh, there's a hotel that I stayed at in uh, in Berlin a couple of years ago, and it was uh, it was called the Hotel Bristol, and it was the very first hotel. And a lot of famous people have actually stayed there. John Wayne stayed there, and uh, I think Clark Gable stayed there, and a couple other people. But it was the very first hotel in Germany that actually had an indoor swimming pool was the very first one. And I actually, I went down and I swam in it. Uh, and it was, it was, it was, uh, they, they kept it original, uh, it just as it was. And, uh, it was quite small. It was quite, um, quite shallow, but nonetheless, it was authentic and it was, uh, something that, uh, you can write on a bucket list. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a really nice hotel. It's a great hotel. All right. Uh, we are going to have to go. So uh, thank you guys for being here. All right. For those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram channel, get over there, get signed up to us. We do put out all of our podcasts. We do here every day. And we also put out an exclusive podcast just for our Telegram subscribers once a week, which Bruce and I will be on tomorrow. Also, when you get signed up to us over there, you get access to our news feed and you'll have access to our comment section. As Marty said, drop a comment and we would love to hear from you and get that conversation going. We might be doing a live Q&A sometime. We need to do another one of those uh, live Q&A. So uh, be watching for that. We'll schedule it this time because they didn't have the scheduling feature up last time we will schedule it and then we can go in and do it live and then you the listener you can take part it won't be recorded or anything you can join from your phone or your laptop or your pc whatever it is you uh whatever device you subscribe to us on but yeah get signed up to us over there a lot of perks over there also if you'd like to reach out to us hold off on that uh we're working on an email thing i i know i said i'd have it done by the end of the week but it's not the end of the week yet so to Pull a Joe Biden. Just give me 100 days, man. <laughs> Just give me 100 days. <laughs> no, we'll get that up uh, first part of uh, next week. I, I I promise I will have it done by the weekend. Uh, we'll start promoting it on the first of the week. You should always under promise and over deliver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So that's what we're doing with Room 101. We're under promising. We're going to over deliver. That's what we're going to do. That's, that's the game. Also, we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We do know that some of you have been doing that, and we appreciate that very much. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that'll do it, gentlemen, for today and for this week. So get signed up to us so you can get us on the exclusive tomorrow. For those of you who are not, have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Goodbye, everybody.